And don't forget, parents, as that practice begins, don't miss, don't miss. Well, good morning. We want to preach a two-part message. It's going to be two parts at least. Oh, let my people go. Let's begin, if you would, first, Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. And then we're going to jump to our text. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. At that point, they didn't look like a people, didn't sound like a people, weren't behaving like a people. But Jesus said, if someone will preach to them, they'll become my people. Let's go now, if you would, Exodus chapter number 2, beginning with the 23rd verse. And we're going to read into that third chapter. God has a people. But they won't come on their own. God has a people. But he needs a willing vessel that will go and tell them the good news. He needs an instrument that he can flow through and touch through. But don't let there be any doubt. God does have a people. They might not look like a people. and They might not behave like a people. But if they'll hear the gospel, many of them will become the people of God. And you have to come on the midweeks. Then we dig into that a little longer to find out the group of people he's talking about. But he can save from the uttermost to the guttermost. How many know that? Amen? All right, Exodus 3, Exodus 2 and 23. And the Bible says, During that long period the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He had led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over And see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God has a people. God has a people. You know, 
Next week begins our missions convention. And with that thought in mind, I want to look at the setting and the circumstances of Moses' call. We'll call this message, Let My People Go. And Well, I want to use this Old Testament story to bring some present-day principles for our missionary efforts. For there are still a people that need deliverance. There is still a call from heaven beckoning, urging for laborers and ministers. And we are the vessels and the ministers that God desires to use to reach and to rescue those that Christ died for. Let it never be said that the shed blood was wasted on our, on our tour, on our, on, our, on our time. Amen. Deliverance. Deliverance. Deliverance is the theme of this group of verses. In fact, it's the theme of the entire book of Exodus. The Exodus, the exit, the departure, the liberation of God's people. Deliverance is the theme. And if there's going to be deliverance, they can't have deliverance without a deliverer. And that's where Moses comes in. He's the great liberator. He's the one God used to bring his people out of Egypt bondage. He's the great legislator. He's the one that God communicated the law to his people to know how to serve God. He's the great mediator who is one of the greatest intercessors in the entire word of God. And in the present hour that we live, every one of us that calls upon the Lord, every one of us who considers himself a Christian is also called and chosen anointed to do our part to bring deliverance to the the masses that don't know Christ. To bring this great message of salvation and the hope we have in Christ to those who have not yet heard. It's very clear the Bible teaches that every one of us has a part in God's eternal plan and in God's eternal purpose. We, we can pray for the lost. We can give and support those that are taking the gospel to the nations. We can share with others in our world. We can tell others our testimony of what He's done for us. We can invite those that we can and witness and invite Him to come and hear the gospel. We can work what God gives us to do to contribute to the cause of the gospel. But let there be no doubt about it. If you're called a Christian, then you're called to do your part, to take up your role that others might hear and others might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Someone says, will God use me? Let me tell you, He'll wear you out if you let Him. That's usually not God's problem. Most saints, unfortunately, are rusting out. They're not wearing out. But I'll tell you, there's much land to be taken. And there's many, many multitudes that need to be touched. And God, and God, and God, and God is looking for a people. If you would, let's read 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. And let's see how we are described. Paul writes to the church, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were, think of this, catch this image, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The Bible describes you and I, believers, as Christ's ambassadors. And it's through us God desires to call, to urge, to beckon, to communicate, to announce His good news. To a lost and a dying world. It is our heavenly task. It is our divine assignment. Our great commission. To tell this world of God's love. In Christ's sacrifice. In His victory. And to invite them to receive that salvation. 
Paul writes, it's God that makes His appeal through us, the NIV. The New King James will say, God is pleading through us. What an interesting word. It's as if God is saying, as you and I present the Gospel, whether it's witnessing on the job or it's on a street corner preaching or in a Sunday school class teaching, as we present the Gospel, literally, God is calling and actually begging, urging people through us to respond to the message and say yes to Christ. What a thought that God would take such unworthy human in ourselves vessels and God says, I'll flow through you and I'll speak through you and not through an angel, but through a human being. As though God is making His appeal, His pleading with lost humanity. Come back to God. Come back to God. Come to Jesus Christ. There is a need for deliverers. There is a need for laborers. Man's condition demands it. God's compassion requires it. God's con- man's condition demands it because the Bible is very clear that all have fallen and all are sinful and every human being is estranged from God apart from Christ and we're all in need of a Savior and we're unable to save ourselves. It doesn't matter how good we are, no one's good enough. I like the way Dr. Evans' little illustration he uses when he's just trying to bring out the point. Though we're all not, every human being is not as bad as the other. Some people are kind of nice people, but they're not saved yet. Others are horrible, you know, murderers and so forth. But everyone's guilty before God because no one can reach the heights that God calls us to reach. No one can meet the requirements. And he says, let's, we all get down here and we're going to have a jumping contest. Amen? Now, I know there's some people like Reggie out there. He's about twice my size, but even Reggie can't reach the ceiling, can he? i got some of you basketball players out there. You used to be able to jump, but you can't reach the ceiling, can you? You might jump higher than me, but you can't reach. You see, some people might be a little better than others morally, but we can't reach the standard God requires. All of us fall short in reaching that perfect righteousness that God requires. That means all of us are incapable and unable to earn it or to achieve it or to accomplish it on our own. That means even though you might be a little better than someone else, you're not good enough to get into heaven on your own merit. You need the merit of someone that could reach that point. You need the merit of someone that did reach that level of righteousness. You need what only Jesus Christ can give. A pure, a precious sacrifice. An acceptable sacrifice. A sinless sacrifice. Why do we need missions? Because the Bible is clear that men are lost. Some might be better than others, naturally speaking, but all are lost. None can reach the goal. So everyone needs Jesus. You might be a a drunk out there, a mess and a half, or you might be in a three-piece suit with degrees after degrees, but if you don't know Jesus, you're lost. But you can't reach it. You can't reach it. God's condition demands it, but God's compassion requires it. What a God we serve. The Bible describes Him. He's great in love. And He's rich in mercy. And He's not willing that any should perish. God says, don't, don't ever doubt this thing about my will. It's not my will that any should perish. They might be on the other side of the earth, raised to hate me, but it's not my will that they should perish. They might have lived a life where they've hurt and wounded people without number, but it's not my will that they should perish. And that's why God sent His Son. 
to pay the required price and to endure the divine penalty that all can come. You can come and you can come. And it doesn't matter what you have done or how bad you have been. There's a way to get forgiven. There's a way to get right with God again. It's coming through Jesus. It's coming through the blood of His cross. And I want you to know this morning, it's the will of God that none perish. And it's the requirement of God that all who call in His name find their place where they can contribute to the cause that all might hear. Can you say amen? God's condition demands and God's compassion requires it. In our story, get back to our story. We see in the book of Exodus that number one, there was a need for a deliverer. There was a need for a deliverer. 400 years earlier, Joseph had been sent by God to Egypt. God used Joseph to save and to lead Egypt in a terrible time of famine. And that Pharaoh there had been indebted to Joseph and invited him and his whole family to come and live in Egypt. But then, a few hundred years later, things have changed. Things changed. And a new king had come to power. And this Pharaoh didn't remember Joseph. This Pharaoh didn't remember all the good that he had done. He saw God's people not as a blessing, but as a threat, as an enemy. In fact, in the first chapter of Exodus, we could title it with two headings. A nation is growing and a nation is groaning. A nation is growing. We see in Exodus 1 and verse 7 how the Israelites, they grew and they were fruitful. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly. They became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. You see, God had promised Abraham that his descendants would multiply and become numerous. And they did. You remember the story of Abraham? God called him and his wife and they were old and they were without children. They could never have children. But God said, not only are you going to have a child, nations are going to come from you. I mean like the stars in the sky and the sand. Nations are coming from you. And so here we see God's promise to Abraham is being fulfilled from one man and him without children and not able to reproduce to a a nation of millions, of millions. You know, friend, God keeps His Word. God accomplishes His purpose in His time and in His way, but God does keep His promises. So, child of God, remember, remember, you can trust and you can rest and you can be completely confident in the promises of God. Second Peter calls them very great and precious promises. God has a good promise for you. God has a wonderful promise for you. And God is not a respecter of persons. That means if you're a child of God, that good promise is for you. You can write your name on it. You can wrap your arms around it. I love the Lord. You see, if I'm going to make a promise to my son, I won't make the same promise to you. Come on, say amen. And if you made a promise to your grandkid, you probably wouldn't make that promise to me because we are respecter of persons. But the Lord says, I don't have any grandkids. I don't have nieces and nephews. I just have sons and daughters. So you can lay hold of my promises if you belong to me and claim them 
them and stand on them and confess them and expect them to come to pass in God's time and in God's way. He took an old impotent man called Abraham who was a laughing stock. He had no children. And God said, when I get done with you, if you'll believe me, nations will call you their father. And years and years and years went by. But finally now in Egypt, oh my goodness, so many people that Pharaoh was frightened and Pharaoh was afraid. It's a wonderful thing to know the God we serve. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, all of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ for the glory of God. That means Jesus is the guarantee and the backup and the enforcer of every promise of God. There was a nation that was growing. And now there is a nation that is groaning. Because the new Pharaoh, and in this story, Pharaoh is a type of the devil who wants to stamp out and crush, oppress the people, destroy the promise of God and His blessing. The promise of a Redeemer. The blessing of victory and joy. A nation was groaning. The first thing Pharaoh tries to do is to afflict the adults. He took away their freedom. He put taskmasters over them. He says, we'll um, press you into forced labor. We'll treat you bitterly. We'll, we'll take away your liberty. We'll work you ruthlessly. But the Bible says that couldn't stop. God from blessing His people. Oh, what a God we serve. He's not. It's not contingent on how man treats you for God to bless you. God is not bound by your circumstances when He decides He's going to slap a blessing upon you. I love it. I love it. I love it. The Bible says, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Isn't that wonderful? Let's show them that up there. Let's show them this verse. Someone might not believe us. 1, 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Exodus 1, 11 and 12. And we're going to see. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them. Now some people right there be giving in their membership. I don't want to serve this. I'm, I don't believe this. God's not good. How can God blah, 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 blah. Put slave masters over them. You know, hard times don't erase God's promises. Rough situations don't mean God fell off his throne and lost his crown. Oh, no. No, no, can't walk by that. Can't walk by that. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They, put, they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. And now look what happens here. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread. I like that. I like that. I had a friend of mine. The, the devil starts messing. God starts blessing. You know, friends, God knows how to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. God knows. Listen, God knows how to bless you in the hard times. So if you're going through a hard time, don't surrender your song. Don't stop believing God's good promises. Every time you go through a trial, let it be known that even in the hard times, God knows how to take care of this child. God knows how to bless you when man's trying to curse you. God knows how to exalt you when man is trying to lie about you and keep you down. But if you don't lose your joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you won't stop and hindering the belief but keep believing the Word and standing on the promise, sooner or later, this cloud is going to go and you'll be standing
getting tall. But remember this day from this story that God says, even though life might be thrown the kitchen sink at you, if you'll keep trusting and obeying, even in your dark time, I can bless you and I can work in you and I can do things in your struggle that you didn't see when you thought you were on the mountaintop. He afflicted the adults. The devil likes to afflict and harass and oppress. But if he can steal the song and steal your faith, you just give in to it. But if you stay strong, God will say, even in the midst of the attack, I'll bless you and I'll answer you. And some of the prayers you thought were going to come on the mountaintop, God says, no, I'm going to wait for it to get real dark, real dark, and I'm going to show you that I'm the God of darkness, not just the light. Secondly, Pharaoh attempts to kill all the male Jewish babies. He thought if he could kill the male babies, then the females would just intermarry and just be absorbed into Egypt. But the Bible says, well, at birth, he said, at birth to the midwives. At birth, if you see it's a boy, kill him. Kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But the Bible teaches us that the midwives chose to fear God and disobey the king. And God blessed them for their courage. Oh God, give us more that will have a moral courage, fearing the Lord and standing up for righteousness, even when it's costly, even when it's unpopular, even when it's socially acceptable to do otherwise. They defied Pharaoh's decree and they feared the Lord and God blessed them for it. God gave them children of their own. God God um, enabled the desires of their heart to come to pass. And then lastly, we see Pharaoh... He finally says that's not working. And he just makes a decree that all the people, if you see a little male Jewish baby, you got the right to throw him in the Nile. Let the crocodiles have him. You see, the, Jesus talked about the, the devil being a murderer. John 8 and 44. John 8 and 44. Jesus, he said to that religious crowd, you belong to your father the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. A spirit of murder is still on the earth today, isn't it? That spirit of murder, governors, spirit of murder, congressmen, spirit of murder, that vote for the murder comes from the devil. See, Jesus was clear about that. There's no if and or but about this. Cuomo and that whole group from the devil, they're lost. So much for that church, he bows and does the sign of the cross too. Must not be doing much for his heart. He's about as liberal and as lost as his old man was. Shame. Shame. No, court justices will burn in hell for murdering babies. Presidents will burn in hell for allowing babies to be murdered and slaughtered. And we get so appalled at the Holocaust. It isn't worse than the Holocaust, what we've been doing ever since we allowed that demonic thing to become law and liberty in the land. Somebody say amen. amen. Say the, Jesus, I'm just quoting Jesus here. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. His desires are murder. So if you're carrying out murder, you'll, you know who you're being led by. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Not holding to the truth. For there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar. And the father of lies. You see, the devil's been a murderer from the beginning, a thief, a destroyer. And he always attacks the children. He hates the children. 
But Jesus loves the children. And let us never forget children. They're not a nuisance. They are not an inconvenience. They are not a mistake. They are a blessing from the Almighty. They are a gift from the hand and the heart of the Almighty God. And all will answer on that day and be held accountable for how you've treated children. Don't ever forget that. Today there is a need for instruments of deliverance. The call to enlistment is going out. And every one of us that names the name of Jesus is required to do our part. And as we do our part, let there be no mistake about it. There will be opposition. There will be resistance. The enemy will try to discourage our efforts and distract us from what really matters. But let us be a people who will be found faithful and obedient in our generation. Thank God for the last generation. I'm not accountable for them. I'm accountable for now. What have I done in my lifetime for the cause of Christ? When I stand before God, it's not going to be about what happened in 1950. I didn't exist then. But I will be held accountable for what I do with the years that God has given me. Do my part in the life I have to carry out His Word. You see, in that third chapter, how God said to Moses, Moses, I have heard their cry. I've seen and witnessed their suffering. And Moses, I'm coming down to rescue them. (laughs) Two verses later, I'm coming down. So Moses, get up and go. I'm sending you. You see, when God comes down, He comes down through you and He comes down through me. He comes down through you and me to tell the lost. He comes down through you and me to heal the hurting. He comes down through you and me to feed the hungry and love the orphan and visit the widow. To stand against the oppressor. I want to give you three principles that we glean from Exodus 1 and 3 as we go forward to carry out Christ's call. As we go forward to carry out Christ's call. Number one, let's remember, submitting to civil authority has its limits. Submitting to civil authority has its limits. You see, the midwives feared God and therefore opposed Pharaoh's evil decree. Now, this is not an excuse for rebellion or throwing off proper authority. Christians ought to be the best of citizens. But let's never forget when men's laws try to overstep God's, then we must unapologetically obey God rather than man. Acts 5 and 29. Acts 5 and 29. Give you the New Testament verse here. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The same ruthless crowd that had Jesus crucified said, don't preach the gospel. Listen, we'll obey you when we can, but when we got a higher order from heaven, we must obey God. Number one, don't ever, ever, ever forget. Submitting to civil authority does have its limits. But secondly, hard times. Don't erase God's promise. Hard times. Don't erase God's promise. Have you let go of the promise because you've gone through some hard times? 
Have you stopped believing the promise because life has brought you through some things that were hard and harsh and cruel and you still cry about them if you think about them? But, but have, have, have you allowed that thing it's terrible, to cause you to stop believing and stop trusting and stop stretching out on that which you knew it was God and it still is God? Hard times don't erase God's promise. God's people were under heavy oppression, yet God blessed and gave them increase. All the abuse the devil threw on the Hebrews' backs could not crush the promise of God that he had made. The Bible is clear. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, He delivers us out of them all. I can't escape them. I can't avoid them. Sometimes all I can do is grit my teeth of faith and walk on through them. But I know that I know God will bring me through. God will hold me up. God will carry me through the storm, the trial in the tribulation. Don't lose your song. Don't stop trusting the promise. Don't stop believing that God is going to do what He promised to do through you. I've got good news for someone. That hard time will pass, but God's promise shall prevail. That hard time is going to pass. And the other great thing is His promise will prevail for you, for you, and for you. Lay your hand on the Word. Put your head on the pillow of God's good promise. And know that you know Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. And God says, trust me and believe me, and I'll work through your night like you've never dreamed. Somebody say amen. Child of God, no matter how hard your life gets, we all live together. We all know one another. We all know. We all gone through it. We wept. That's why we're family. We weep together. We weep. We shout together. We weep together. We rejoice. New babies born. Hallelujah. Young couple gets married in the will of God. Hallelujah. So when they get their first home, hallelujah, we rejoice together. Well, then we bury together, don't we? And we stand in hospital beds together. This family, we weep together. And we rejoice together. Oh, oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. No matter how hard life gets, you can trust God's good promise. When the heat is on, open the book and let God speak to your heart. He still has a word that refreshes the weary. He still has a word that lifts up the countenance of the downcast. He is still able to take these words written in ink of man, but allow His Spirit to make them real to you and personal to you. When times are hard, don't run away from the promise. Open up the promise of God's goodness and let God speak to you and let God comfort you and let God reassure you. You might be in a dark place. You might be in a hurtful place. That thing might be wounded and you're doubting if it will ever be made whole. But the Lord says, I have a word for you. God says, i got a promise for you. God says, I've got a comfort just for you. Keep believing and keep trusting. Keep leaning. His arm is not too short. No, 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 no. We're going about to do our job. We've got a world to reach. There's nations that must be touched. There's people around the corner. There's people on the other side of the globe. They must hear it. We are crazy people. No, we are radical as far as this world. We don't care about solid junk the people selling their souls for. We've met Jesus. 
The love of Christ compels us and constrains us. It's radically done something to us. And now we, we give the tithe and we don't think anything of it. We give the offering and we pray God bless it and let it be useful to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let it be spent to feed little children that are going without. Let it be spent to, 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 to reach the prisoner that doesn't hear the gospel. Submitting to civil authority has its limits. Beware, church, you ever want to be so popular with the world around us. It's a lost world. It's a foreign world. They're fallen. They're blind. We must stay committed to the truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word. And let everything else fall where it lies. But hard times, secondly, don't erase God's promises. God's people were in a hard place. But God said the promise I made hundreds and hundreds of years ago is actually accelerating and increasing and manifesting in the hardest place. In the time you thought it couldn't come to pass, God said, that's where I'm multiplying you. They're oppressing you. You think that would stop the blessing? God said, uh-uh, I do different math. My math isn't like man's math. Amen. Every now and again, these states, New York went crazy. A few years ago, I had some new math. My Lord, I didn't think I could count anymore. Amen. Uh, my boy brought home something from fifth grade. I couldn't even, I wasn't smarter than a fifth grade. I don't know what kind of math they were teaching. But God says, I've got math. When the devil starts messing, I'm going to start blessing. If you trust in me with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, in all your ways, if you'll acknowledge me, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I'll meet all your needs. I will hold you in the hollow of my hand and no devil in hell or horse has can snatch you out of it. If you look to me and you'll lean on me, I'll show myself strong on your behalf. You can sing in the midnight hour. You can trust me when everyone walks out of it. You can know that you know that the Lord your God is an awesome God. He's a loving God. And He that began a good work in you. He shall complete that work and He doesn't need circumstances to look like it. Woo! i got to get to that third one. Oh my. Oh my goodness. This is important. You know the psalm the psalmist said he's near to the broken heart. The Bible had to say that because when you're broken hearted, it doesn't feel like he's near. He didn't have to tell me he's near when I'm blessed. I know he's there. That's the only reason I'm blessed. I mean, I don't need, I don't need a revelation. I don't need a prophet to tell me he's there. Woo-wee! They said they, they charged me wrong and they owe me money. Oh, hey, hey, hey. You don't got to tell me God's there, amen? But boy, when I'm broken hearted, that's when i got to remember. He hasn't gone anywhere. And we learn from this story of the Exodus that harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice. In 1 Peter 3 and 12, His eye is on the righteous at you and His ear is attentive to our cry. You see, God sees every need God hears every cry. In fact, the Bible says He puts your tears in a bottle. He doesn't neglect them. He doesn't ignore them or forget them. He cherishes them and counts them. Oh, my goodness. Harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice. 
Hallelujah. And even now, as the cries of men go up to heaven, the heart of God is reaching down towards men. And I know often the enemy lies and he says God doesn't hear and God doesn't see and God doesn't care and people lose hope and people give in to despair. But I want you to know the devil is a liar. God does hear and God does know and God does care. He sees your cry at night. He sees the confusion. He sees the thing that the enemy tries to harsh and torment me with to get you to give up or to give you to give in. I want someone to know this morning that harsh treatment and harsh treatment is part of living in a fallen world, but it doesn't escape God's notice. And God knows what others don't know. And God sees what you're hiding so others can't see. But God knows and God cares and God's hand is reaching out to you. And this could be your day of deliverance. This could be your day where you see the hand of God work in that situation. If you learn to give it to Him and cast it on Him and cry out to Him and entrust it to Him, this is the day that God's heart comes down to reach those that are hurting, recognizing He has not forsaken. He has not forgotten. He is not unaware of the thing you're battling with. He loves you. He's concerned about you. He desires to heal that hurt. He desires to pour in the soothing oil of His Spirit as a solace to heal and to mend. And on this side of eternity, of course, not everything. We don't get amnesia. But God in His amazing grace is able to give us a a touch of His Spirit that enables us to deal and to carry on and to walk on with without it in harassing and afflicting and enslaving us like the world that doesn't know God. There is a God who is a healer of a friend of a wounded heart. There is a God that says my heart is moved by your own heart's aches and breaks. And if you'll give that thing to me, I'll pour out the oil of my grace and I'll minister. There is a God that hears the cry and reaches down. And it's the same God that says I want to touch lives so I'm looking for vessels. I'm looking for instance. I'm looking for someone to say, here I am. Oh God, send me and use me. And I'll love the unlovely. I'll go feed the hungry. I'll visit the lonely. I'll tell that one that is scary even to look at. But I'll tell them with the courage you give me that Jesus loves them and they're important to God. Harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice. He sees and He cares. And His grace is sufficient. And He calls you to bring to Him that burden and just lay that need at His feet. Hallelujah. There is a need, God's great concern. Man's condition and God's compassion. There is a need and there is a call that all that call on the name of Jesus would recognize in this period of time. It's called the day of grace. When all that here can come, that all whosoever will can come. But God needs vessels and God needs deliverers. And God needs men and women that He can make His appeal through. That He can flow His love and His grace and His power through. And for us that live in the present hour, may we be faithful to carry out our duty to be effective in our mission very quickly. The ABCD of missions. This is part of our missions convention. Start out with Colossians, the fourth chapter and verse five. Four things as believers we want to remember as we approach this missions convention. Number one, Colossians four and verse five. Colossians four and verse five. Paul writes, let's be wise 
in the way we act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Sometimes what we call harassment, a hassle, God said it was an opportunity. You didn't look at it right. Many times we think it's a pain. God, not a pain, it's a privilege. It's something, it's, it's something I've ordained. So number one, we need A, awareness, awareness, awareness. Because what can happen in life is we just get too busy and we forget there's a people, there's a people that need deliverance. There's a people that, that need the Savior. We have to have an awareness. It's so easy to get so caught up in our own little lives, doing our thing, doing our thing, doing our thing. When we forget, it's not about our thing right now. There's a time, and this is a moment in time, the day of grace, where God's calling all of His people to be part of carrying the gospel and touching this world, carrying out the commission. We need awareness, the awareness of opportunity. For Jesus said, open your eyes, the fields are white. They're white. Look around you, and you'll see someone that you can talk to. Look around you. And you'll see a need that you can contribute to. Look around you. We need awareness of opportunity. We need awareness of responsibility because it's not just something we do as our Pentecostal tradition. It's a Bible thing. It's called the Great Commission where our own Lord and Savior said, Go into all the world. Go to the nations and preach the Gospel. Let us have an awareness of the opportunity around us and the responsibility before us and the lost eternity that awaits them. We need, number one, an awareness. Hey, number two, we, 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 need, we need a boldness. We need a boldness. Look at verse 4. We need a boldness. God, give us a boldness. You know, the world's bold about their sin. The world's bold about their nonsense. And let's have a boldness about our Savior. Let's have a boldness. Pray. He says, pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Proclaim it clearly. Not with intimidation. Not heavy. Clearly speak this word with a boldness. Paul asked in Ephesians, said, pray that I might preach it fearlessly. And so not only do we want to have um, the ability and an awareness to recognize the hour and the need and the opportunity, but God give us a boldness that we might be confident in the Gospel, not ashamed of the Gospel, that when God does open doors, we will have the courage to share, to invite, to obey the call of God. We need a boldness to be confident in the message that we have. Said of that early church, they saw their boldness and they knew they had been with Jesus. We need a boldness. Number three, number C, A, B, C. We need a concern or a compassion. Look at verse three. Look at verse three. Uh, not only do I need an awareness, A. Not only do I need a boldness. Not only do I need, I need a compassion. Paul says, and pray for us that God may open a door for our message and that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. First part of that verse, compassion. He says, pray that God will give me opportunity. I'm not trying to avoid opportunity. I'm, I'm, my heart is full of compassion. God, give me someone to talk to. God, give me an opportunity to share. God, give me an opportunity to do something that's going to matter for eternity. And then the last part of the verse says, I'm in chains. Isn't that amazing? Paul still is in chains, but he's caring about others. Don't allow your own problems to be so consuming that you forget there's a world around us that doesn't know Christ. Pray for an open door and caring about others. Let us not get so caught up that we neglect the work God has given us to do. We, we need an awareness, A. We need a boldness, B. There might be someone on that job you've been hitting around 
for three years. We're going to pray before we end this service. God give you some boldness. Finally spit it out. Tell them they need Jesus. You, you, you've, you've sown enough seed. Now it's time to bring forth the call. Awareness, boldness, concern. And the last one, D, let's decide to do something. Let's decide not to be observers, but participants. Look at 5 and 6. Look at 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's make the most. Let's be determined that we're going to be responders, not observers. We're going to be doers, not dreamers. Let your conversation be full of grace. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's prepare ourselves for a lost world. They're whacked out there, man. Amen? And the longer you're in the church, the more crazy that world is. The more generations you spent in a godly home, the more crazy that world is. I mean, it gets foreigner. It gets foreign and foreigner. Amen? I mean, but we, that's why I got it. We got to be prepared, right? They're, they're nuts out there. Their mindset is crazy. I mean, in the nation, it's, it's, it's not, and we got to be prepared. Let your conversation be full of grace. All right, Lord. I'm used to being around all my brothers and sisters, and you know, we, we, we just, you know, us four, we just, we just the saints of God on earth. But now you're going to take me out of my comfort zone. And so I got to make sure I got some grace in my voice. Because it's not the tone of the judgmental. It's not, it's, it's not the critique of the self-righteous that will break through the hardened heart. Some people are so messed up. You don't know how good you got it if you grew up in a Christian home. You don't know how good you got it. Oh, these homes are so messed up. Morality's gone out the window. And people are a mess. You can't live. You can't live wicked and not reap it. And now generations don't know they're left from the right morally. They're lost. And when you're lost, you do things and you're sowing and reaping. Then they're a mess. Who wouldn't be a mess if we didn't know Jesus? Amen? I'd be a mess. You'd be a mess. Who wouldn't be? Who knows what we would have reaped and sowed, the cause and effect of a life that wasn't put in Christ first. So when we go out there and I'm going to do something, i got to say, God, give me an opportunity, but God, make me ready to respond to the opportunity. Lord, give me a love for people. Give me a grace for people. Take out the harshness and the criticalness and let that love of Jesus, and give me an anointing just to know how to carry on the conversation, to say the right thing at the right time, that the Holy Spirit can begin making his appeal through us. God, making his appeal through us, that through us, he can begin to touch that heart, take away some of the blindness on that mind. Oh, my goodness. Missions Convention. A, B, C, D of missions. Give us an awareness. Some people don't even care. We're going to go to hell. They don't even care. As long as they have their little group, as long as they, you know, no, no, no. Give us an awareness. Fields are wide unto harvest. Don't got to wait for anything. They're lost all around us. Awareness. Give us a boldness. Not a brashness. Not a haughtiness. But a boldness which is a confidence in the message that we have. Because I don't have confidence in my church. I don't have confidence in my preacher. I don't know. Forget this guy. Forget it. But I do have a confidence in Jesus. I do have a confidence in the Word of God. I know if I can get you to Jesus. Now, the preacher don't have a lot of answers, but I know someone that has every answer. And he knows you and he loves you and he died for you. And if you'll come to him, he'll forgive you. He'll transform you. My goodness, my goodness. There's a boldness, awareness and a boldness and a compassion, a concern. Paul says, I'm in chains. Sometimes we can get so caught up on our own things that we forget 
we forget. Forgive me a compassion, Lord. I got my problems, you got your problems. But the world's still lost and they need Jesus. Amen? We got problems and we got the living God to walk with us and every promise to stand on. They got problems and they don't know that. I mean, God, give me compassion. And then D, I'm going to do something. I'm going to be part. I'm going to do something. Everybody can do something. You, you might not be a big vocal person, but you can sow seeds. You can write notes. You can invite people. You can give. You, you might not be, I'm not a real great speaker. Well, God can open up conversations. Or God can give you opportunity to use. But everyone, if we say, God, I want to do something. And we say, God, I want to, here I am, Lord. God says, I'll put you where you belong. I'll work things out. I'll get, God says, listen, what do they say? The, the greatest ability is availability. And God says, if you just make yourself available. God says, I know how you're wired. I, I can fix you if you let me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Oh, he's wonderful. Aren't you glad you're saved? Anybody glad they're saved? Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Amen. Aren't you glad you forgive? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and like, hey, hey, and like those lepers. Remember those lepers? We did it Sunday night, a couple of Sundays. Those lepers? Remember those lepers? They said, oh, this is too good. We can't keep it to ourselves. Amen. And you and I have been eating, feasting at this table of God's grace and goodness. We cannot keep it to ourselves to know what it is to be forgiven, to know what it is to have a Jesus that will be your friend and someone you can weep with, someone you can shout with. Oh, we've got We can't keep this to ourselves. Amen. Let's all do our part so others might hear. Come on, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right. We're going we're gonna to pray our final prayer. And, hallelujah. And then we're going to open the altar. Let's stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Let's do this. God is so good. This was part one. Let my people go. Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, we'll get back to Moses in that burning bush and we'll talk about how God calls us and prepares us. And God sends us to do what God's called us to do. If you're here this morning, if for any reason you're here and you don't, you're not right with God, you just might not be saved or you just know you're not where you need to be, then please, please, it's time. It's time to come and make things right. Start a new chapter. Receive that grace. It's the day of grace. Not judgment. It's the day of grace. So you can respond and come and make things right. Maybe you're here today and you're saying in your heart, maybe I'm not contributing to the cause the way I should. Well, it's time. It's time. And it's not just our finances that's part of it, but it's our service and just our willingness. Our willingness. Someone says, where's he going with this? Any hairdressers here? Any hairdresser? Anyone, anyone want a hairdresser? I need a haircut. No, no, any hair? Okay. I say that because I, I met some, some, some of the best evangelists I've ever had in my church is hairdressers. Them hairdressers, they talk to anybody. And you get one of them on fire, my goodness, they got, they got a captive audience. Them women getting there under that thing. You know what I mean? They, they can't leave till you take the stuff out. I'm, I'm just saying, you could be, if you'll give yourself to say, God, I want to be part of, of the Great Commission. I want to be part of touching souls. I want to be part. You'll be amazed how God could orchestrate things in your life. I mean, you wouldn't even think. <laughs> Crazy? On fire for Jesus. Don't know a lot of theology, but you know Jesus. Amen? 
He invited more people to church. God used it with more souls. She just was willing. Never went to school. Didn't get saved until she was an adult. You know, didn't. Just set up. She was willing. So if we'll be willing, God will open up doors of opportunity. And God will use us. God will use you. God, you, don't need, you don't need a degree. God will use you. You don't need to have a special heritage. God will use you. It's amazing. So if you're not contributing to the cause as you feel God would have you to, well, it's time. Say, Lord, help me to make some adjustments here. For now on, use me. Use me in missions. Use me in missions. If you're here and you need prayer, maybe it's something physical, something you're facing. As we open the altar, you're invited to come and we'll believe God together for God to heal you, for God to fill you, for God to bless you. We pray, Father, we thank you that you have set us free and you have delivered us from that spiritual Egypt, that slavery of sin. You've set us free. And now, O oh God, that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, stir our hearts and move us in our faith, move us in our compassion to be your instruments, Father. Use us, O oh Lord, in a greater measure for your eternal purpose and will. Use us, O oh God, to tell your story, to touch the hurting, to reach those that Jesus died for. We make a fresh surrender of our lives. Lord, you made us. You know our strengths, our weaknesses. Lord, take us as we are and use us to touch others, to invite others, to be your vessel that you can love others through us. Bring healing to others through us. Bring the hope of salvation through us. And Father, I pray as this missions convention begins, speak to our hearts and bring each one of us to a greater place of moving in your awareness and in your boldness and in your confidence and in your compassion. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. The altars are open. Let's sing it one time through, please.